hidden Christianity, forgotten scriptures, ignored saints, misplaced mystics, fragments of the faith forgotten. Today on this Spiritual Awakening Radio podcast, my name is James Bean. Today we'll explore the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish Bible, which includes the Apocrypha. You know, the King James Version of 1611 included the Apocrypha. Why is that? Well, it goes back to the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures known as the Septuagint. Also today covered the Syriac Aramaic New Testament known as the Peshitta. Plus, there's an even older set of manuscripts called the Old Syriac Gospels. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not any other book of the New Testament. But it's very valuable to have this very, very old translation of the Gospels from that Syriac Aramaic language, all of those old manuscripts. Also, we'll delve into the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'll share with you a psalm or two from the Dead Sea Scriptures. And then the hymn book, the Psalms of Early Christianity, the Odes, the Book of the Odes. We'll delve into the early Gospels of Christianity, including the very first Gospel, nicknamed by some, Sayings Gospel Q, a collection of the sayings of Jesus. We'll focus on the Gospel of Thomas, some spiritual sayings of the Gospel of Thomas. I'll talk about the focus, the orientation of the Gospel of Thomas, as well as my latest reflections upon the composers, the goal of the compilers of the Gospel of Thomas, and the likely date of the Gospel of Thomas. I'll focus on some Syriac mystics further to the east. Also, writings from Syriac Aramaic. The Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life because this process of the composition of these inspiring writings just kept on going. The Syriac Fathers, for instance, covers writings between the 4th and 8th centuries. AD. So we don't really get to the point where it's at the end of the third century and it's all over and done with. Not at all. There is no end to the age of saints and mystics and apostles composing spiritual discourses. That age is still with us even now. I begin with the Septuagint, a new English translation of the Septuagint with Apocrypha a new translation of the Greek into contemporary English, published by Oxford University Press. A new English translation of the Septuagint is what it's called. There are a few others out there, but this one is very easily comprehensible, easy to read, and includes the books of the Apocrypha. Because the Septuagint did... The Greek Old Testament, or Septuagint, is the earliest extant Greek translation of books from the Hebrew Bible. It includes several scriptures beyond those contained in the Masoretic text of the Hebrew Bible used by today's Orthodox Judaism, the books known to some as the Apocrypha. Four books of Maccabees, 1st and 2nd Esdras, the rest of the book of Daniel, 
a couple of very important wisdom books, Wisdom of Solomon, as well as the book of Sirach, or Ecclesiasticus, which are two quite wonderful additional books of wisdom. A couple more Psalms can be found in the Septuagint, and a few other books too. In addition to other books, there are also textual variants, as they're known. Additional verses or sentences here or there contained in the Septuagint that are not present in the Masoretic manuscripts. According to the legend, 72 Jewish scholars were asked by Ptolemy II Philadelphus, who lived from 285 to 246 BC, the Greek pharaoh of Egypt, to translate the Torah from Biblical Hebrew into Greek for inclusion in the famous Library of Alexandria. The event is said to have occurred on the island of Pharos in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Alexandria, Egypt, and to have taken 72 days. Scripture, however, comprised only the five books of Moses, also known as the Pentateuch. Other books were translated in subsequent centuries and also in other locations. In time, the entire anthology became popularly known as the Translation of the Seventy, or Septuagint, irrespective of the precise origin of the individual books. The Septuagint, the ancient Greek translation of Jewish sacred writings, is of great importance in the history of both Judaism and Christianity. The first translation of the books of the Hebrew Bible, plus additions, those apocryphal books and additional verses, into the common language of the ancient Mediterranean world made the Jewish scriptures accessible to many outside of Judaism. Not only did the Septuagint become the holy writ to Greek-speaking Jews, but it was also the Bible of early Christian communities. The scripture they cited and the textual foundation of the early Christian movement. This is a verse from the book of Sirach, or Ecclesiasticus, as it's also known, chapter 14, verse 20, from the Septuagint. Happy is the man who will meditate on wisdom, or Sophia, and who will converse with his understanding. He who considers her ways in his heart also will reflect on her obscurities. Now we move on to the New Testament, the Peshitta English New Testament, also known as the Antioch English Bible Translation, is published by Gorgias Press. The Peshitta represents the earliest complete collection of manuscripts of the New Testament in Syriac Aramaic, an important language of the Jesus movement and early Christianity. A couple of verses which speak to the focus of today's podcast, and it also compares the Peshitta to another translation. This is, first of all, from the Darby translation of Jude, chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, using all diligence to write to you of our common salvation, I have been obliged to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith 
once delivered to the saints. And this is from the Peshitta English New Testament, the same verse. My beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our shared salvation, it is necessary for me to write to you exhorting you to defend the faith that was once given to the Holy Ones. Unquote. It's always good to have several translations of an ancient text, you know, because there are subtle things going on in the original language that we aren't so privy to in English. But if you read two or three different translations of some ancient text, it lets you in on some of those nuances and subtleties of the original language. Very useful. The Old Syriac Four Gospels. I should also mention, since we're talking about New Testament Syriac Aramaic manuscripts, there are a couple of older surviving Syriac Aramaic manuscripts, specifically of the four New Testament or canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the Syriac Sinaiticus or Codex Sinaiticus of St. Catherine's Monastery. This is a manuscript known as the Old Syriac Gospels. It is a late 4th or early 5th century manuscript containing a nearly complete, not actually complete, but almost complete translation of the four canonical Gospels of the New Testament in the Syriac Aramaic language. It represents one of the earliest witnesses of an even older collection of gospel manuscripts that no longer exist, but once were in circulation between the 2nd and 5th centuries AD, a statement by Eusebius that Hegesippus, quote, made some quotations from the gospel according to the Hebrews and from the Syriac gospel, unquote, means we should have a reference to a Syriac New Testament, or we do have a reference to a Syriac New Testament as early as 160 to 180 AD, the time of that Hebrew Christian writer. The translation of the New Testament has been admired by scholars who have deemed it careful, faithful, and literal, with it sometimes being referred to as the Queen of the Versions. I highly recommend this translation of the four New Testament Gospels, the old Syriac Gospels. I can send you a link to the hard copy of this. It's a free online book you can read or download. And there's also a hard copy available. But I will give you my email address because I have to send actual specific links because the name of the translation is very difficult to spell and pronounce. It comes in a two-volume set it's fairly expensive, and one of the volumes is all Syriac Aramaic. Only one of the volumes is in English, and it's very easy to buy the wrong one. So I'm going to be very careful and just share links with anyone who sends me an email to get them to the right volume, the English translation of the old Syriac Four Gospels. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Ask about the old Syriac Gospels, and I'll send that information to you. A quote from the old Syriac. This is from the Gospel of Luke, 
from the Syriac Aramaic manuscript of the New Testament referred to as the Old Syriac. Now beware in yourselves that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh and with the intoxication of wine and with the anxiety of the world and that day come upon you suddenly for as a snare it will come upon all them that dwell on the surface of the earth. That reads a bit differently, doesn't it, than the Greek-based manuscripts and translations that come from Greek manuscripts. Now beware in yourselves that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh, which sounds very vegetarian, doesn't it? I have devoted a whole podcast to this saying and many podcasts to that subject of the vegetarianism of the Jesus movement, the Hebrew Christians, the Ebionites, the great-grandchildren of the Essenes. And you'll find on this channel many podcasts on this topic. There is a book I highly recommend. If you're curious about the vegetarianism of the Jesus movement, Christianity Before Paul, James the Just and that Jerusalem original community, those disciples directly of Jesus following, quote, the yoke of the Lord, the ethical code of this group, which includes vegetarianism. There's a book, a very scholarly book, by Keith Akers called Disciples, that I believe to be the very best book ever written on this topic, which will have not only this passage from the old Syriac and discussions of other passages from old Syriac, but also quotes from the Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Ebionites, the Ebionite Book of Acts, also known as the Clementine literature. Any vegetarian reference in antiquity, you know, you'll find it in that book, Disciples by Keith Akers. I think that's the best book ever written from a very scholarly point of view. No forged texts of the 19th century, thank you very much. But only texts that scholars recognize is what he makes use of. And you'll find a whole collection of very fascinating pro-vegetarian passages gathered from all of these early Christian writings in the book Disciples by Keith Akers. I recommend both the Old Syriac Four Gospels as well as the Peshitta English New Testament to cover the books of the canonical New Testament from a Syriac Aramaic source. That's pretty old. That's pretty impressive. And as I mentioned, the Old Syriac Gospels are nearly complete, but not fully complete. So there are, it's so old that there are fragmentary sections, some missing pieces, like one of those Nag Hammadi books. So with the Peshitta English New Testament alongside, then that fills in the lacuna, any gaps you may encounter, and you get the whole New Testament from an Aramaic source. Coming up next, the Dead Sea Scrolls. There are several English translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
available. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories online about how the scrolls are hidden away and we can't see them, we can't access them. Yes, you can. You can download them for free. You can read them online. You can buy hard copy translations of... You can buy several different translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Not hidden away, but very much available to anyone that wants to buy a paperback book. There's one called The Complete Dead Sea Scrolls in English, published by Penguin Books. There's also a book by, translated by Theodore H. Gaster called The Dead Sea Scriptures. And that's just a short list. I mean, there's several others too. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in various caves of Qumran in the 40s and the 50s uh, on the northern shore of the Dead Sea. These are ancient Jewish and Hebrew religious manuscripts dating from the 3rd century B.C. to the 1st century A.D., the Dead Sea Scrolls are considered to be a keystone in the history of archaeology with great historical, religious, and linguistic significance because they include the oldest surviving manuscripts of entire books, later included in biblical canons. Isn't that an interesting way of framing it? You know, a future biblical canon will be formed, but this, this covers a period of time prior to that. Later included in the biblical, biblical canons along with deuterocanical and extra-biblical manuscripts, which preserve evidence of the diversity of religious thought in Judaism in antiquity. Included among the scrolls are many sections of the book of 1st Enoch, for instance, various books of the Hebrew Bible, as well as scriptures not included in the Orthodox Bible of contemporary Judaism and the Old Testament of Christianity. Although the Ethiopian Bible is a bit closer, I should say, the Ethiopian Bible includes the Book of First Enoch in its canon, also the Book of Second Enoch and Jubilees and other material that harkens back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. So the Ethiopian Bible, out of all the Bibles in the world today, is the closest to the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, for sure, comes the closest including the books of Enoch and other extra-canonical scriptures. Once upon a time, popular in Israel, Palestine, Egypt, and in early Christianity. One of my favorite sections of the Dead Sea scriptures are the Psalms of a mysterious figure and founder of this community known as the Teacher of Righteousness. Divine Light in the Dead Sea Scrolls Thou hast shaped that clay on the wheel and passed it through thy test, that it may find its way into thy lot, and when cracks appear in it, thou mendest them. Yea, over mere dust hast thou wafted thy Holy Spirit and hast so molded that clay that it can have converse with angels and be in communion with beings celestial. From the fount of his knowledge has my light shot forth. Upon his wonders has my eye gazed. Mere flesh hast thou lit with a light everlasting, that there be no reversion to darkness, and a light hast thou revealed, that it never can be turned back. Your Holy Spirit illuminates the dark places of the heart of your servant with light like the sun. I look to the covenants made by men, worthless. Only your truth shines. 
and those who love it are wise and walk in the glow of your light. From darkness you raise hearts. Let light shine on your servant. Your light is everlasting. You set your word in this ear of dust and write truths on my heart. You end my wandering to bring me into concordance with you, that I may stand unshaken before you in the glow of perfect light forever, where no darkness is forever, where unsearchable peace is forever. For me, a creature of dust. From the Psalm Scroll of the Dead Sea Scrolls. From the Dead Sea Scriptures Translation. Theodore H. Gaster, Editor. There is a light motif there. In this hymn, composed once upon a time, for a group called the Children of the Light, Children of the Dawn. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The light motif. Coming up next, the Book of the Odes. The hymn book of early Christianity, early Christian Psalms. The book where the Messiah, perhaps for the very first time ever, begins to materialize, makes his first literary appearance in the first century AD, is the Book of the Odes, this mysterious collection of ancient psalms that at some point were misnamed, misfiled, and misunderstood to be the Odes of Solomon, written in Syriac, a dialect of the Aramaic language, has been described as some of the most beautiful songs of peace and joy that the world possesses. These mystical poems and prayers remind me of Rumi and other Sufi poets. Sometimes I refer to the Odes as the would-be Book of New Testament Psalms, and I find the Odes to be a very spiritual book, one of the very best examples of an apocryphal writing that unfortunately got misnamed, misfiled, and misplaced somewhere along the way. It has absolutely nothing to do with the Old Testament Solomon character. Nothing whatsoever. It's not an Old Testament apocryphal book. It's a New Testament apocryphal book. It is a collection of early Christian psalms and one of the lost books of the Bible in the category of New Testament apocrypha. It very much reads like the folks behind the Gospel of John decided to create a collection of hymns, and it was probably them that did create this collection somewhere near the city of Antioch, with a style often similar to the Psalm Scroll of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Book of the Odes is at a very ancient intersection of Essene Judaism and the Jesus Movement and for centuries remained quite popular with many Christian sects, including Gnostic ones. And even now the Odes might be contemplated by monks who are part of various monasteries around the world. The would-be Book of New Testament Psalms. The Book of the Odes. 
Lord has directed my mouth by his word. He has opened my heart by his light. He has caused his immortal life to dwell in me and permitted me to speak of the fruit of his peace, to restore the souls of those who desire to come to him and to lead a good band of captives into freedom. A reading from the Book of the Odes. This is from Ode 36. The Spirit of the Lord rested upon me, and she lifted me up to the height and set me on my feet in the height of the Lord before his pleroma, or fullness, and his glory. While I gave praise by the composition of his odes, she, the Spirit, brought me forth before the face of the Lord. And although I was a son of man, I was called the Shining One, the Son of God, while I was glorious among the glorious, and was great among the great. For according to the greatness of the Most High, so she made me, and according to his renewal, he renewed me. He anointed me from his perfection. That's a reading from Ode 36, using a more difficult-to-find, fairly rare translation called The Odes of Solomon by Michael Lotke. That is a bit more on the Gnostic side of things. It uses terms like pleroma and logos. There's also the, cha- the James Charlesworth translation and a few others. And uh, most of those are to be found online. You can actually read or download The Odes of Solomon, Book of the Odes, for free on the web. The preface to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, begins with, Since many have attempted to compile an account concerning the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word from the beginning passed on to us, it seemed best to me also, because I have followed all things carefully from the beginning, to write them down in orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty concerning the things about which you were taught." Unquote. That is from the preface of the Gospel of Luke, saying that before Luke got around to writing his gospel, or the author of the Gospel of Luke got around to composing Luke, there were many others that had done so already. Proto-Luke of the first century sounds on the late side of the first century, you know, from the beginning passed on to us. You know, it seems like a bit like Luke isn't going early but is coming to us later in the first century. Proto-Luke of the first century, or perhaps a final version of Luke sometime born in the second century, says that many wrote Gospels. 
For sure, Matthew, Mark, and John cannot be characterized as being, quote, many, unquote. Many is a larger number than one, two, or three other Gospels. How great it would be to know the names of these many other Gospels that others undertook to write, compiled by others long before the author of Luke decided to compose his Gospel, to compile his Gospel. Actually, we do know the names of many early Christian Gospels and even are in possession of quotes from them on rare occasions or sections of them. And in a few fortunate cases, we are in possession of a fairly complete translation of some of those texts. And I will share with you today a list of some of those in a few minutes. But first, the first gospel, the Q gospel, a collection of the sayings of Jesus that Matthew quoted, the author of the gospel of Luke also quoted, And we'll get around in a few minutes uh, from now to talking about how Thomas also quoted from this same Q gospel, this source gospel. We may wonder what the very first gospel might have been. Some scholars call the first gospel the Q gospel, from the German word quella, meaning source, as in a source of the sayings of Jesus, quoted by others in their Gospels. In the case of this hypothesized source Gospel, attempts at reconstructing it have been made. You can download it from the web for free, several different reconstructed cues. Q is part of the common material found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, but not in the Gospel of of Mark. According to this hypothesis, this material, mainly a collection of the sayings of Jesus, was drawn from the early church's oral gospel traditions. This is a fair use quotation from the preface of a fascinating book on the subject of the Q Gospel, a book called Two Shipwrecked Gospels, the Logi, or sayings of Jesus, and Papias's exposition of the sayings about the Lord by Dennis R. MacDonald. A very wonderful book to have if you're interested in sayings gospel Q. Early Christians produced several books about Jesus in addition to the four Gospels of the New Testament. Some of these documents now survive in whole or in part, some in citations embedded in later writings and some only as titles. We only know the the names of these books because they were mentioned by other people in antiquity, but we don't actually have the texts themselves in uh, those cases. Back to the preface. Others are hypothetical reconstructions of lost documents that once may have been sources for later Gospels. This book attempts to reconstruct two lost Gospels, one of which probably was the earliest of all. What scholars conventionally call Q, probably from the German word quella, meaning source, tragically no manuscript of this document exists from antiquity, and there is no uncontested external witness to it, 
But as we shall see, it is highly likely that the synoptic evangelists, the unknown authors we have come to call Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all relied on a document that no longer exists. Although scholars have published several speculative reconstructions of Q on the basis of Matthew-Luke agreements against Mark, this volume proposes an alternative methodology for recovering the lost gospel and produces a text nearly twice as long. To distinguish my reconstruction from others, I refer to it as Q+, or as the Logoi of Jesus, its most likely original title, The Sayings of Jesus. The second gospel reconstructed in this volume survives exclusively in citations by later authors. The exposition of Logia about the Lord, a five-volume work by Papias, Bishop of Hierapolis in Asia Minor, apparently was a running commentary on three earlier Gospels, those that we know as Mark and Matthew, and a third with affinities with Matthew. I will propose that this third Gospel was none other than the Lost Gospel, the Sayings of Jesus. Papias did not restrict himself to information derived from these books, he supplemented them with lore provided by people who had spoken with Jesus' followers. Although publications of the Papian fragments are readily available everywhere, to my knowledge no one has rearranged them into their most likely sequence and speculated systematically concerning content that is missing in the gaps between them." That's from the preface of Two Shipwrecked Gospels by Dennis R. MacDonald, who also provides an English translation of this reconstructed Q, or Q+, as he calls his version, representing a collection of the sayings of Jesus, quoted by others. Back to the names of other early Christian Gospels of the first few centuries A.D. I'm reaching for a copy of a book I have here called The Complete Gospels, edited by Robert J. Miller and published by Pullbridge Press. And I'm turning to the table of contents, which provides us with an interesting list of early Christian gospel material. Found translated into English in this book, The Complete Gospels, are Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Luke, The Signs Gospel, Gospel of John, and that's in a category called Narrative Gospels. In the category of Sayings and Dialogue Gospels, we have Reconstructed Q, their own version of Reconstructed Q, a collection of the sayings of Jesus, Gospel of Thomas, Secret Book of James, Dialogue of the Savior, Gospel of Mary, as in Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Gospel of Judas, Infancy Gospel category here includes the Infancy Gospel of James and Infancy Gospel of Thomas, 
And then we have a category called fragmentary gospels, where we have parts of certain texts. Gospel of Peter, Gospel of the Savior, something called the mystical gospel of Mark. I need to check that out. I missed that one. I haven't seen that one around before. Mystical Gospel of Mark. I'm going to look that up. It's on page 411. The Edgerton Gospel. Gospel Oxyrhynchus Manuscript 840. Gospel Oxyrhynchus 1224. Those would be Greek manuscripts discovered in Egypt at a great discovery site called Oxyrhynchus where thousands of bits and pieces and pages and you know chapters and books uh, of Greek writings were discovered, a huge treasure trove. In the category of Jewish Christian Gospels, we have listed here the Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Ebionites, and Gospel of the Nazareans, or Nazarenes. And there's a category called Orphan Sayings and Stories. There's a lot of those, just random sayings of Jesus from some lost gospel and we just don't know what it is, don't know where it comes from. Just a few uh, random sayings and verses that come from some source and it would be great to know where they're from. Since many have attempted to compile an account concerning the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word from the beginning passed on to us, it seemed best to me also, because I have followed all things carefully from the beginning, to write them down in orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty concerning the things about which you were taught. Once again, Luke mentioning others who wrote who offered their accounts long before Luke composed or compiled his gospel account. Many gospels of the early centuries A.D. exist, and we'll get to the Gospel of Thomas shortly. Gospel of Thomas, a wisdom gospel or gospel for contemplative mystics seeking a present tense kingdom of God here and now. The Gospel of Thomas was missing for almost two millennia until three copies of it were almost miraculously discovered several decades ago. Two sections written in Greek found at Oxyrhynchus, Egypt and a later copy, something copied from Greek into the Coptic language of Egypt, a more complete edition of the Gospel of Thomas in the Coptic language, found near Nag Hammadi, buried under the sands of time in a clay storage jar. One of the books of the Nag Hammadi Library Discovery. This lost book has been found and now has its own homepage on the World Wide Web. You can download the Gospel of Thomas for free, you can access several different translations of it online, buy hard copies of it. It's one of the most popular apocryphal book ever. The second coming of Thomas has occurred. It is a resurrected or reincarnated book, if you will. 
practically predicting its own rediscovery, the Gospel of Thomas says, Know what is in front of your face, and what is hidden from you will be revealed to you, for there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor anything buried which will not be raised. These are the hidden sayings that the living Yeshua spoke and Yehuda Tama the twin recorded. Another translation of the opening verse of the Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the sayings of Jesus. These are the secret sayings which the living Jesus spoke and which Didymus Judas Thomas wrote down. And he said, whoever discovers what these sayings mean will not taste death. Yeshua said, Look to the living one as long as you live, or you may die and try to see the living one, and you will not be able to see. Come to me, for my yoke is easy, and my mastery is gentle, and you will find rest for yourselves. I shall give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, what has not arisen in the human heart. Some translations might render that as, or what has not occurred to the human mind. Mindfulness sayings about the living present moment in the Gospel of Thomas. His students said to him, When will the kingdom come? Yeshua said, It will not come because you are watching for it. No one will announce, Look, here it is. Or, look, there it is. The Father's kingdom is spread out upon the earth, and people do not see it. They said to him, Tell us who you are, so that we may believe in you. He said to them, You examine the face of heaven and earth, but you have not come to know the one who is in your presence, and you do not know how to examine this moment. His students said to him, when will the resurrection of the dead take place? When will the dead rest? When will the new world come? He said to them, What you look for has come, but you do not know it. His students said to him, Twenty-four prophets have spoken in Israel, and they all spoke of you. He said to them, You have disregarded the living one among you and have spoken of the dead. In that last verse, they seem to be complimenting him, saying, you know, these prophets prophesied and you are the fulfillment of their prophecies. But at the same time, they sound very conventional, don't they? Religion 101, some people quoting some scriptures, speculating about prophecies being fulfilled, same as it ever was. But he is, he is pushing against that conventional thinking 
and saying they have disregarded the living one right there in their midst. And are just quoting, you know, dead people. You know, he has he has a very different orientation, a different focus, a very present tense focus that leaves conventional religion and its speculations about prophecy being fulfilled behind. As if prophecy is part of the problem, not part of the solution. I think the Gospel of Thomas, my views have kind of shifted over the years. I, uh, it's not one of those things where you can say the Gospel of Thomas is one of the earliest Gospels or it's later. It's not a black and white, yes or no, it's early, it's late kind of thing. The Gospel of Thomas contains sayings of Jesus from different sources. I believe the Gospel of the Hebrews and Q are a couple of those sources, but there are, are other sources too. And they're mixed together. So some sayings might be super early, other sayings might come along later. And that means that the compiler of these sayings, the editor, would be someone probably living after 70 AD, after Jerusalem was sacked, when the idea of an immediate second coming and prophecies being fulfilled in the lifetimes of the original disciples, when that was all out the window, so to speak. And so I believe the agenda of the compiler of the Gospel of Thomas was to focus on spiritual sayings, to create a wisdom gospel, a saying collection, a collection of the sayings of Jesus, focused on a present tense kingdom of heaven, instead of prophecy speculation about stuff happening in the sky in the by and by, or 11 minutes past uh, uh, 11 on the 11th day of the 11th month of the 11th year, or some, you know, the latest scheme or scam or prophecy speculation, which just goes on and on and on. 1000 AD, 2000 AD, you know, Y2K and, and uh, you know, Nostradamus and his uh, quatrains and on it, on it goes and on it goes and on it goes. He, he, the editor, the compiler of the Gospel of Thomas steps out of space and time and speaks of an unseen kingdom of heaven that's available here and now. Now, it's interesting that the compiler of the Gospel of Thomas has this luxury of being able to select from the sayings of Jesus and find these mindfulness in the present moment, now kingdom or present tense kingdom of God kind of sayings. Amongst the sayings of Jesus, you find two different types of sayings, almost like there are two Jesuses. One that says the kingdom of God will come with signs and wonders in the sky. The sun will darken. The moon will appear blood red. There'll be earthquakes and the stars will fall or meteor showers. And then there's this other Jesus that says, no, the kingdom of God will not come with observation. It will not come by people saying this or saying that. It's already here right now within you and in your midst, in the here and now. And those here and now, present tense kingdom of God type sayings, that's the focus of the Gospel of Thomas. That's the agenda of the compiler, I believe. 
And this compiler is making use of the Gospel of the Hebrews, the Q Gospel, and who knows, you know, several different collections from several different communities, most likely. But the goal is to get people to see spiritually, to hear spiritually, to focus on recognizing that which they have not recognized, to be in the moment and experience the unseen, present tense kingdom of God and the living one. Seek and do not stop seeking until you find. When you find, you will be troubled. When you are troubled, you will marvel and rule over the all. That's from the Coptic Nag Hammadi. This is from the earlier and often better Greek translation. Oxyrhynchus Thomas. Let him who seeks not cease until he finds, and when he finds, he shall wonder. Wondering, he shall reign, and reigning, he shall rest, or as some translations render it, they shall enter into rest. If your leaders tell you, look, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. They will get there before you do. If they say to you, it's in the sea or under the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside you and it is outside you. When you know yourselves, then you will be known and you will understand that you are the children of the living Father. But if you will not know yourselves, then you dwell in poverty and you are poverty. Once again, the present tense and right here in our midst and within, not up there in the sky or under the sea, elsewhere, according to someone else. Yeshua said, Blessings on you who are alone and chosen, for you will find the kingdom. You have come from it and will return there again. Another translation, the Lynn Bauman translation, Gospel of Thomas, Wisdom of the Twin, renders it this way, Blessed are those chosen and unified. The realm of the kingdom is theirs. For out of her you have come, and back to her you are returning. Yeshua said, If they say to you, Where have you come from? Say to them, We have come from the light, from the place where the light came into being by itself. Whoever drinks from my mouth will become like me. I myself shall become that person, and the hidden things will be revealed, says Yeshua in the Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the sayings of Jesus. Also on the subject of the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Hebrews overlaps. Saying 12 in the Gospel of Thomas, pledges allegiance to James the Just, and although I don't think the whole collection emanates from the Ebionite Christians, the poor, the 
the Hebrew, the Jewish Christians, the original followers of Jesus. But saying 12 sure seems to emanate from that community. Saying 12, the students said to Yeshua, we know you will leave us. Who will be our leader? Yeshua said to them, wherever you are, seek out Yaakov the just. For his sake, heaven and earth came into being. Another translation, the disciples said to Jesus, we know that you will depart from us. Who will be our leader? Jesus said to them, wherever you are, you are to go to James the righteous for whose sake heaven and earth came into being. I have a podcast on that last part, for whose sake heaven and earth came into being, and of course several podcasts on the Gospel of Thomas. Saying 27 seems very Ebionite or Jewish Christian, from that Christianity before Paul, that Jerusalem inner circle of disciples from the beginning. If you do not fast from the world, you will not find the kingdom. If you do not observe the Shabbat as Shabbat, you will not see the Father. Another translation of Gospel of Thomas saying 27. If you do not fast as regards the world, you will not find the kingdom. If you do not observe the Sabbath as a Sabbath, you will not see the Father. Again, that sounds very Ebionite. The poor, the disciples, the original group, the Jerusalem community. I believe also saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, I will, the initiation from the Master type saying, I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. The Apostle Paul quotes that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and says, It is written. And it's also in Thomas saying 17. Uh, I, 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 I am beginning to suspect that both of them that one is not quoting the other, that both of them are quoting a common source, you know, maybe saying Gospel Q or the Gospel of the Hebrews, the Gospel of the Hebrews or the so-called Hebrew Matthew or Gospel that, quote, has affinities with Matthew, unquote. Whatever that was, I think probably saying 17 as we see it in the Gospel of Thomas and uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9, the Apostle Paul version, that uh, he says, it is written, written down somewhere. I think probably that somewhere would be the Gospel of the Hebrews or some Hebrew Gospel, Ebionite Gospel, that they both were quoting. I suspect saying 17 is also uh, an Ebionite type saying present in the Gospel of Thomas. Coming up next, anthologies of extra-canonical, apocryphal, deuterocanical books. Recommended reading. I've already mentioned two shipwrecked gospels on Q Reconstruction, the vegetarian ethics of the Jesus Movement in the book Disciples by Keith Akers, The Complete Gospels by Robert J. Miller, also the Septuagint and the Peshitta and Old Syriac, New Testament and Gospels, Aramaic, Syriac, New Testament manuscripts. There is a great bargain book 
a, a great collection, an anthology. It doesn't cost much. It gives you a thousand pages. A sampler of Apocrypha, Enoch, Mandayan, Manichaean, Nag Hammadi, Thomas, you know, various samples of different collections or categories of apocryphal writings. A book called The Other Bible, translated by Willis Barnstone. It's got some odes of Solomon in there, Dead Sea Scrolls, Psalms. Wonderful collection. You know, other gospels and epistles and hymns. A bit of uh, Aeneids of Plotinus also. The many becoming the one, returning back to the one. The other Bible, translated by Willis Barnstone. Another one that has some overlap with that, but also offers a lot of other other material, Cathar material, and especially Gnostic material from different categories and communities. The Gnostic Bible. There's a new edition of that out. The Gnostic Bible Revised and Expanded Edition translated by Willis Barnstone and Marvin Meyer. There's also a book called The Gnostic Scriptures by Bentley Layton that's been around for many years. There's a new edition of that out, edited by David Brackey, which has some new material included in it, some updates, some additions, firmware update, you know, new stuff, uh, Gospel of Judas, other discoveries. The Gnostic Scriptures, New Edition, the Anchor Yale Bible Reference Library, translated by Bentley Layton and David Brackey. Now, there was the first Nag Hammadi translation, the Nag Hammadi Library in English, edited by James M. Robinson, but there is a newer and more complete translation of that material, a book called the Nag Hammadi Scriptures, the revised and updated translation of sacred Gnostic texts, complete in one volume, translated by Marvin Meyer. It includes the Nag Hammadi in a fresh, more contemporary, more accessible English translation of the Nag Hammadi writings, including the Gospel of Thomas. But added to it are a few other important discoveries. It has a new translation of the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Book of Second Allegenus, which is a very nice text, and, of course, the Gospel of Judas, which came along since the original edition of uh, the, James M., the James M. Robinson uh, Nag Hammadi you know, got published long ago. So it's got other stuff in it, along with the Nag Hammadi, making it a great book to have, a go-to source for Nag Hammadi Gnostic Gospels. The Nag Hammadi Scriptures, translated by Marvin Meyer. Another book, which you won't hear anyone talk about, but I like talking about it, the Ginza Rabba, spelled G-I-N-Z-A, second word, Rabba, just spelled R-B-A. The Great Treasure, the Holy Book of the Mandaeans, translated into English by Carlos Gilbert, published in Australia by Living Water Books. The Nag Hammadi may be the prose of the Gnostics, but the Mandaean scriptures are the poetry. And that is a huge 
collection. It has a couple of books attributed to John the Baptist in it and a lot of other amazing material. So anyone who's interested in Gnostic writings, there's this vast treasure trove and a whole other world found in the Ginza Raba. So in addition to the Nag Hammadi, get those Eastern Gnostic scriptures in the Ginza Raba. Uh, there's a translation sold in Germany, but unfortunately it's out of print at the moment. So the only one I would recommend, the only translation for the Ginza Raba, the great treasure of the Mandaeans, would be the Carlos Gilbert translation. That's the only complete English translation of the whole Ginza Raba, published in Australia. And finally today, the Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life, translated by Sebastian Brock from, once again, Syriac Aramaic. The Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life, translated by Sebastian Brock of Oxford University, published by Cistercian Publications, contains some writings of St. Isaac the Syrian, along with the sacred Aramaic writings of many other Syriac saints and mystics. In fact, that book for me is somewhat like the Nag Hammadi Library. In other words, it's a collection of rare writings representing a whole community. Very much like the Nag Hammadi represents Gnostic texts, for the most part. The Corpus Hermeticum represents writings from the Hermetic School of Philosophy in Egypt. And the Dead Sea Scrolls represent scriptures of Messianic Judaism, Essene Judaism, other forms of Judaism in the early centuries, A.D. and and late B.C. period. From the prayer of John of Apamia, a reading from the Syriac Fathers on prayer and the spiritual life. What wonders has your love effected? When someone is still alive, he has left this world, though his bodily condition remains with the world's bodily condition. Yet his spirit has been raised up towards you, so that for a period of time he knows where he knows not. He is, in other words, where he knows not. I'll start that again, actually. What wonders has your love affected? When someone is still alive, he has left this world. Though his bodily condition remains with the world's bodily condition, yet his spirit has been raised up towards you so that for a period of time he is where he knows not, being totally raptured and drawn towards you. Today's podcast is titled Hidden Christianity, Forgotten Scriptures, Ignored Saints, Misplaced Mystics, Fragments of a Faith Forgotten. The writings of St. Isaac of Nineveh are included in the book The Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life. St. Isaac of Nineveh is one of the greatest authors in the history of Christianity. So you may ask yourself, how come I haven't heard of St. Isaac of Nineveh? I've never heard anyone do a talk and mention his name. I've never read a book that included a quote from him. Why is that? I wrote this article once 
for a magazine, an article called, If You Don't Want Your Saints and Mystics, We'll Take Them. And it was about how there are all of these great Christian saints and mystics that are very deep, very advanced, but they're totally unknown in the Christian world, in the Western world, or perhaps thought of as heretics or rejected or viewed with suspicion, but usually just not known of whatsoever, total strangers, estranged. And sometimes there are authors in India that devote books to spirituality and might quote St. Teresa of Avila's spiritual classic, The Interior Castle, and pay attention to her, show her some respect, and, you know, show parallels between her teachings and some Sufi saint, you know, real respect. Whereas in the West, who is that again? I don't know who that is. Meister, Meister who? Meister, is that how you say it? Eckhart? I don't know who that is. <laughs> if you don't want your saints and mystics, we'll take them. These orphan saints and homeless mystics that seem to not be at home in their own tradition, but are being shown some love and respect and sometimes even quoted elsewhere in the world of religion. St. Isaac the Syrian is one of those too. One of the great writers of Christianity and yet probably no one around these parts has even heard the name. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. The Syriac material is very Thomasonian. Their founding apostle was the Apostle Thomas. And there are a lot of Thomasonian themes that repeat in the Syriac saints and mystics. If your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. I will teach you how to see the unseen kingdom, the new world. This is a reading from the Syriac Fathers, from a prayer of Joseph the Visionary, another great prolific writer of Eastern Christianity that probably has never been spoken. His name has probably never been spoken uh, around these parts, not too often at least. New Eyes and a New Vision. Create eyes in me, and so may I see with your eyes, for I cannot see with my own eyes. May my mind travel inwards towards the hiddenness of your sacrifice, just as you have traveled out into the open and been co-joined to your mysteries. At this moment, may I be totally forgetful of myself and remain utterly unmindful of my own person. May every bodily image be wiped away from my mind's eye, and may you alone be depicted before the eye of my mind. And now when your spirit descends from heaven upon your mysteries, may I ascend in spirit from earth to heaven. Joseph the Visionary from a section of the Syriac Fathers on Prayer in the Spiritual Life, called Prayers of the Mystics. I will conclude today's podcast with another reading from Joseph the Visionary from the Syriac Fathers on Prayer in the Spiritual Life. That book is online. You can read that for free online, too. Before I read that poem and wrap up today's 
Spiritual Awakening Radio podcast. I will give you my email address if you'd like to get a list of recommended reading these books that I've been quoting today. There are hard copies available, but most of this stuff you can read for free online. Just ask for my list of recommended reading today when you email me at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. And I have many other podcasts on the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Odes of Solomon, uh, the vegetarianism of various saints, and vegetarianism of John the Baptist, some of those Mandaean sayings, hidden sayings of John the Baptist. You'll find all that material in the mix at this profile on this channel, wherever you subscribe and follow this podcast. James at SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com Wrapping up today's podcast, Hidden Christianity, Forgotten Scriptures, Ignored Saints, Misplaced Mystics, Fragments of a Faith Forgotten. If you don't want your saints and mystics, we're happy to take them. This is a reading from Joseph the Visionary, a book within, a section within, the Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life. Visions of light during pure prayer, which is their term for meditation, contemplative meditation. The impulses of the mind are extended from the sphere of material things towards those impulses which are without limit. That is to say, wonder at the new world and the faculty of vision which belongs to the contemplation of the Holy Trinity. For when the vision of the mind is mingled with the light of the glorious Trinity, all its impulses become infinite. For none of the visionaries or Gnostics is able to distinguish the identity of the mind as a result of the vision of that glorious light that is seen of the Holy Trinity, for all the innermost chambers of the heart are filled by that blessed light. And there are no shapes or forms or anything material or number or color. Rather, that light, who cannot be separated out into shapes and forms, is single, owing to the singleness of the faculty of sight. This too, I have to tell you, at such a time there is no longer any kind of movement there, or any kind of thought, or any kind of mental process, only a state of wonder that is beyond all mental processes, impulses, and thoughts. Joseph the Visionary.